Welcome to Rooster and the Devil, where we give you the Americans' perspective on English Premier League soccer, with hosts Brad Tyndall, Jimmy Carn, and Mike Steenstra. Welcome to Rooster and the Devil. We are getting our crew together, but we are down one bird, down one rooster. Uh, Mike has decided to take an evening off with some competing priorities, so... We will soldier on, James. How are you doing this week? I am. Uh, I am doing well. I am. Feel, uh, I'm feeling my age this evening, so uh, nothing wrong with that. Was there? Is there a reason for that? Why are you feeling your age? Oh, I will, this uh, this beautiful little game that we get to see and talk about um, soccer, football, if you will. I I, I played uh, um, in a over thirty league match tonight. Um, the soccer itself was was not beautiful and. Uh, um, you know, at this age, everyone's kind of old and out of shape, and we're just running into each other. So, a little beat up from the game today. And you played uh, played keeper. I did. I did man the net. I did. I, I did play keeper. So luckily, I didn't have to worry about the <laughs> the normal endurance concerns. But um, yeah, uh, let's just say that our team isn't very good. At, uh, it kind of felt like a shooting range for a while. Shout out team. Shout out team Absolutely All right. well You know I I think If we want to tie into A couple of things That your Your body's probably Feeling the way That Premier League Bodies are feeling After a A grueling 38 match Set this year We have come to the end Officially of the Premier League And One thing I learned A lot about I think this year Is Attrition Right When it comes to Injuries And you know, 38 games, man, and that doesn't factor in all the other competitions for the squads who are competing elsewhere. I mean, what is it got to be like for these guys going through an entire year? Oh, gosh. I, I mean, I can't imagine. You think about, um, uh, like, some of the guys that, you know, play every single match. Um, you know, uh, for some reason, the first one that comes to mind is, uh, like, uh, Connor Cody for Wolverhampton. I think they said that he played every minute of every game for Wolverhampton this year. Um, and that, Good lord! Yeah, and you gotta you gotta remember these guys aren't exactly like you know dogging it during the week either. They still run full practices and stuff like that. The the physical condition that these athletes are in is just is just un unreal. Um, so yeah, I, I I mean over a course of a of a thirty eight game, just just that part of the season, um, you know, playing a game at least once a week. Uh, you know the the schedule can get dicey at different points and factory and other competitions. Yeah, by the end of the season, these guys have like are, are taking well deserved vacations at this point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, with that said, being at the end, we know that our friend Michael is a little bit bummed about it, and I think we are too. It's been a great year. Um, well, yeah, for, for the neutral for for Mikeo, I mean, think about it. Like, this is really his first full Premier League season. It, it is, uh, you know, it can take your breath away. And, and what a season um, to you know watch, you know, in depth for the first time. Uh, um, what a crazy season! No kidding. Yeah, he tweeted about how he fell in love with it, and we are happy to have been a part of that uh, and many more good Premier League seasons to come. But 
Results-wise, we had, of course, City getting it done, even though they were down for a minute, um, against Brighton, taking it home over Liverpool. A little bit soul-crushing for Liverpool, of course, considering that their point total would have won in almost any other year, I think literally any other year of the Premier League. What do you think, Jim, about the title race real quick? Uh, you know, it was incredible, right? I mean, to think that a team will finish with 97 points, uh, one loss <laughs> in the entire season, and and not win. Like, if, you, if you'd if you said that, you know, 10 years ago, like, people wouldn't believe you. Um, it was it was outstanding. I mean, it it's funny that it did come down to essentially one game that that uh, um, that matched that. You know, City beat Liverpool. I think it was two to one. Um, you know, we talked we talked about all of the hours and time and you know games that these guys played and um, you know one little minute, one second, one one goal can you know affect that whole thing. It's just. Uh, incredible it was it was incredible to watch this year you know i think liverpool um and city are really two of the best teams in the world right now um if, if you're talking about you know a place in in your european football um so yeah 97 points uh third highest total ever um only behind you know city obviously this year and city the year before where they got 100 points um, crazy <laughs> to think that they'll in in two years in two seasons um, City's got 198 points. Like that is, that is incredible. It's disgusting. They are, they are they are a machine for sure. Um, Does the Premier League have a parity problem? I don't. I don't think so. Um, you know, quick take. Quick take. Yeah. Six, I mean, I don't know. Six. Uh, I mean, really, they they talk about the top six and and maybe not so much this season, but like those those six teams have. The quality and, um, in most cases, the financial means to to challenge on any given season, and even some of the other teams, you know, like, like teams like Everton can spend and West Ham can spend and West Ham, yep. yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't like I don't think so by by no means at all. I mean, the, if you talk about last year, you know, when United finished like what like twenty points uh, off the pace and they were in second, I think even more than that, more than twenty points off the pace and they finished in second that year makes it look like yeah there might be a parity problem but when you see Liverpool put up the season they had and, and not win it's hard to say that there's you know uh one team one team really dominating the whole thing yeah and I suppose I mean more of the top six but then then again when I think about it when I started watching it really was the top five Spurs were not consistently up there and it was the big five and now Spurs added to the big six and then you have teams like Leicester um Wolves challenging with financial might uh, and then the other teams you mentioned spending, I, I guess it's still not a not a parity problem. I was just curious because you've seen many more seasons than I have. Um, I don't feel like they're they're quite there. I do think that Liverpool and City are you know leaps and bounds ahead right now. But I suppose you're right. And everything everything's like I mean to an extent cyclical, right? Like I mean teams, it's it's hard to change a squad overnight like it doesn't happen that often you know like seasons like Leicester's don't come around like literally ever for Leicester but um you know like it takes you, you see teams build over seasons and get a good generation and make the right moves um and I think that you'll see like uh you know City City won't be there forever and Liverpool won't be up there forever um you know Tottenham might struggle as they're paying off the stadium but like once they start bringing in that that money from the stadium, you know, when they get back in the black, like they're going to be, I mean, revenue wise, they're already right up there with the top team. So they're also going to be able to start spending two and two. So, 
Um, you know, as as money keeps getting pumped into that league, you, you, the opportunity for more and more teams to be able to spend is just going to increase. I think that that league is well po- well positioned to be the best league for years to come. No doubt. All right, so going down the rest of the standings, Chelsea in third, Spurs hang on to dear life for the Champions League, uh, and then, of course, Arsenal in fifth and United in sixth. I don't know if we want to get into a United take, Jim, but I was curious, you know, make it short, make it long, whatever, but your take on where things ended up and really what was an up-and-down season with some some streakiness, both for the bad and, and for the good. Yeah, it's a um, quick take. I mean, started terrible, um, had a fantastic three months, and then finished terrible. Um, it just kind of points that this team is still mired in uh, a rebuild that they've been trying to do on the run. Um, it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting summer. Quick take. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Uh, Buckets of money to be spent this summer by many teams. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but maybe yeah go ahead no 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 go ahead and finish your thought i was gonna say but but maybe one team that couldn't be spending or two or one that's banned from a competition or two uh yeah so um i mean we're looking at chelsea i think that they're still i think they're still appealing to the uh the cas the yeah they are arbitration uh but i mean they are they're very much staring down you know not being able to sign any players this summer which which would be awful, especially since you know uh, you're almost certain to see Eden Hazard walk out the door. Um, yes, you have Pulisic coming in. I think he's going to be a fantastic player, but he's not Eden Hazard. Um, I would wouldn't even pretend to have that conversation. Um, and then you know uh, we're starting to see. Um, I think City is also still being investigated for the same thing that Chelsea got in trouble for, um, for signing uh, young players. Um, they're handling with that. So both those teams, you know, top teams that could be um, this year and, and going forward facing some, some trouble. No doubt. Big implications, of course. Um, did you think what your take on Hazard looked like he was saying goodbye from what I saw? Yeah, it seemed like... It seemed like Chelsea made him all of the assurances that they would get something done. Um, I've heard that, um, you know, that there'll be a structure of a deal in place for the day after the Europa League final um, between Chelsea and Arsenal. Um, And I've also heard that the day after the Champions League final that, you know, Real Madrid would try to uh, present him, you know, as they start their their rebuild. I, I can't see a situation where it doesn't get done this summer. Um, I don't know how clean it's going to be because, you know, I think Madrid's going to try to low ball because they want to spend a lot of money. And Chelsea knows that he's valuable. And they might, like, they don't have to sell him. Um, it would be really messy if they didn't. But, yeah, I, I think he's gone. But No doubt. I would agree. I would agree. So All right. So where to next, Jim? Um. Well, uh, let's since we're talking about you know the season, um, uh, you know I, I you can expand on this as much as you want to. Um, uh, just just in Premier League sense, I know you guys still have a uh, a Champions League final, which is which is still got to be crazy to think about, right? Tottenham in Champions League final. Um, we still got that oh to play. God, but if we, it, 
if we just if, yeah. if we just keep it to the Premier League season, um, yep. Su- sum up sum up your feelings about how the season went um, overall, and feel free to expand as much as you want. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very, very proud, very proud, always very proud. Um, I've been so spoiled, is my initial reaction, from the first five seasons of watching the Premier League and my side just do so well uh, as a club. I think they've been so just quality stewards of the resources that they have. Daniel Levy takes a lot of shit from people. Uh, people like to make fun of him because he's a real stickler in negotiations, and he basically they call him cheap, right? I mean, because he doesn't spend as much as the other couple of teams. But the man delivered on his promise with the new stadium. Um, I have I I have some statistic, statistics that I want to share with Michael when he's on next time. Um, I, I won't go deep into it, but I listened to the podcast that I was not uh, present for with regard to his comment on the stadium, and I have some rebuttals for that on how important it is, not only from a philosophical level, but from a financial and real application level. With that said, again, uh, the challenges that they faced, not playing any games at home, essentially. Wembley is 45 minutes away. A lot of supporters got tired of it. Uh, The players commented, Danny Rose, very blunt in his interviews, has noted that Wembley's atmosphere was kind of dead um, basically halfway through the season. So you're dealing with a lot of different challenges, obviously financially with no new players, um, a lot of injuries, Harry Kane, two extended injury stints, Sun Young Min going to the Asian Games, having a lot of international duty. And, of course, I do not think that it's fair to underplay the impact that was felt from most of our squad being in the semifinals of the World Cup, the Belgians, Alderweireld, Vertonghen, um, you know, you talk about the England players, of course, Trippier, Kane, Dyer, Alley, all these guys involved in the World Cup, injuries coming throughout the season, again, the new stadium being built, distraction, um, and they still came through it. They had a fantastic first two-thirds of the year that essentially set them up to not be able to piss it away because they damn near did it um but exhausted squad that has just somehow done well uh enough to to edge in front of arsenal and united and i couldn't be more proud i i've talked at length about pochettino but i think he's done a fantastic job in tandem with levy and understanding the vision and now it's going to be a very interesting summer Pochettino has called for a shift in the way that we think. And I think that one of the things that he's talking about is being more quick with transfers. They tend to wait so long in the window and then squeeze something out of the last second trying to play hardball. And I I think he wants them to be more assertive. But that's a conversation for another day. So very proud, couldn't be happier being in the top four again, securing a Champions League place. And now it'll be interesting to see how they evolve. So no doubt. uh, I would comment, you know, the the injury bug obviously was hard on you guys this season. Um, and then we talk about not, you know, not purchasing any players for two windows. Um, I think that one thing that's lost, you know, in that conversation that people might not put enough value on is, you know, just how much like value there is to continuity. And yes, you guys had some injuries and you could have used some fresh legs. But at the same time, like I think what made your team so good and so resilient, you know, um, you saw that resiliency 
um, you know, in the second leg of the Man City Tottenham Champions League uh, playoff, and then uh, as well the second leg in Ajax uh, against Ajax. Oh yeah. Um, but that just that familiarity, like I mean, don't just bring in bodies to bring in bodies that you know might not fit with what's already established, um, that culture that's already there, um, and and yeah, it it it, it can be frustrating just because of the attrition, but at the same time. Um, like those guys, like all play for each other, all, all bought into the system. I think that there's a value there that can't be stated. Uh, just you know, you can't just buy players just to buy players. Like buy the right players, and if they're not available, don't buy anybody at all. And that's there's I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, you know, it hurts when you're competing on multiple fronts, but you know, once uh, once you guys kind of had that point where even you know you slipped in the Premier League a little bit. Um, you know, you guys were able to focus on like your like whatever energies was left in the tank to get over that hump to get to that Champions League final. That's just special, and I think that's uh, um, uh, attributable to the the continuity in that team. No doubt, I've felt that since year two, probably of Pochettino, and bringing up players that were cast offs in some ways, uh, and then developing the young players. I, th- I think of who I think the player of the season is. By far and away, and I love Sonny so much. But I think Musa Sissoko is the player of the year, both in the Champions League and the Premier League for Spurs, has been unbelievable and remade into a different player by Pochettino. And you're right, uh, continuity goes a long way, especially with Pochettino and the culture that he has of being the underdog kind of mentality. And um, it's been fun to watch. So, great year. Absolutely. All right. So... Uh, do we want to touch on championship, or should we? Do we still have some commentary left in the Premier League from this year? I don't. I think we've hit on relegation candidates. Uh, that's been a done deal for a little while for the yeah. Premier League. Wave bye bye. We uh, 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 just a quick comment. United gave Cardiff a, a nice sending off on the way out the door. Um, but with Cardiff getting relegated, unbelievable. With Cardiff getting relegated, um, that means there will be no Welsh clubs in the Premier League next season um, for the first time in a, uh, a long time. There's a stat out there, but I can't remember how long it's been, but it's been a long time since there hasn't been a Welsh club. It's kind of sad. Yeah. Yep, yep. But Come on, Wales. Deuces. Come on now. Deuces, Cardiff. Um, no doubt. I know, I know how <laughs> and you feel Neil about Warnock. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say. I know how you feel about Warnock, so... Um, but did you see, you know what, there's a meme out there, though, or a meme, like a short video of him, like, <laughs> totally going bizarro on the camera. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. I got to sh- I gotta show you that, dude. He, like, it's the middle of a match, and the, the camera's up on him, and he just gets up into the face of the camera and is being really bizarre, and I kind of like him now just because <laughs> of that. It's, like, so crazy, like, bizarre. Uh, okay. I'll have to show you. Okay. We'll tweet it out. Absolutely. Um... But yeah, uh, we we can like that. Just kind of leads into um, you know we can do a little championship talk, just a little update. Um, I think we'll do like a full you know um, this summer. Um, uh, uh, stay tuned, listeners. This summer we plan on you know previewing um, as many of the teams as possible. Um, Michael has been working tirelessly setting up interviews this summer with. Um, supporters from different clubs all over the Premier League, um, as well as their U.S. men's national team talk. So um, I think you guys have lots to look forward to coming up this summer um, as far as interviews go with some um, some really knowledgeable, interesting people. So um, 
had to throw that in there. But yeah, well, we can touch on the championship real I'm quick. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the championship. So, uh, I didn't watch the game today. Uh, the the, first, the I'm sorry, the second leg between uh, Aston Villa and West Brom. Um, did you get a chance to look at it all, or did you just see the scoreline? Just the scoreline. Yeah, what did you see? Uh, so, um, Villa came in with a 2-1 lead from the first leg. West Brom won one nothing. Uh, sorry, they didn't win, but they they uh, yeah they they won one nothing and went to overtime. Went to PKs. Villa won on PKs. So they're through to um, the final uh, for the championship playoff. They're waiting the winner of uh, Leeds and Derby, which the second league is tomorrow. Um, your boys Derby. You uh, you you pulling for? That's right. Of course, of course, we'd love to see him in. Yes. I just again um, fun to see a smaller team like that get through. Of course, all of these teams are um, smaller, but you look at like a, a Villa; they're they're well furnished. I think they've got decent financial backing. Although I, they were in trouble at some point, but they can spend a little bit of money. What did did we talk about this earlier this season? I think it was the last time. Uh, anyway, it was like ten years ago. There was like a the the Villa squad that played against Tottenham. What tournament was that? It was outrageous. They had so many good players. Well, I'll have to find it. I'll, I'll, I'll put it on the Twitter. Um, but they had so many like big name players that we see today. Uh, I will find it and send it out. But yeah, they've they've like they historically have been a good club. You know, they've made it a point to spend, try to spend a lot of money to try to get back. Um, you know, they lost they lost in this playoff last year to Fulham. Um, have an opportunity to go through again. Uh, I would. I would uh, I would love to see you know Leeds or Derby get through. Um, I know you as Tottenham fans would also like to see that for um, personal reasons. Yes. Yes. Is, uh, yes, is there a, is, is a certain is, is there, there's a certain Grealish. Yeah, say, that is, I'd there, like. is there a Birmingham son that plays for Villa that you would love to swoop in and pick up? I I'd love to. I think that he has great spirit. I think there's a goal. That started their run to get into the playoffs. That we we ought to tweet out if we haven't already. But he he runs, he dribbles through the entire squad and then passes it off and ends up scoring the goal. And the announcer's just losing his mind. And I like him. I think he's got something. He's got like an it factor, or like a kind of captain. I think I don't know if he's captain, but he, he's got like this this fortitude that I don't know. Um, is is attractive in a young player, and I think Pochettino could do some work with them. But you know what? Hey, good for them if they get through. Um, I think that the playoff idea in general for that third spot is so cool. Um, I don't know when they started do that doing that, Jim, but it's it's a it's a great idea. Makes for the championship, you know, getting into and excited for the Premier League promotion. I just think it's a brilliant idea. Whoever came up with that. Well, it's fantastic too. I mean, they do it. They do it all the way down. So, like you know, in all of English football, all the way down divisions. Um, uh, my boys, the the Amies, um, nickname for Salford City. Uh, uh, yeah. They won. Uh, so here's the cool thing too, right? So uh, through, for all those divisions, the playoff final for each one of those divisions get to play at Wembley. So like Salford City, this tiny little club, uh, gone up. You know. Uh, before um, the other day, they've gone up four divisions in five years. Um, they, they, what was it? 2012, they averaged like 171 people per game. Um, this season, they averaged uh, just shy of 3,000. 
So for a club like, for a club like that that's grown that much to get to play at Wembley, um, you know, and all these teams, you know, the championship uh, final, playoff final be at Wembley, the opportunity for some of these clubs to get to play, you know, in the national stadium is is very cool. You're right. I think the whole setup makes it fun and interesting for for all fans for all levels. But we absolutely sh- we shall we'll see. be looking forward to seeing what happens there. We shall see. Yeah, I'm. Uh, uh, I'm not, like I'm looking forward to. It. I'm actually going to try to catch the the Leeds Derby game tomorrow. Leeds has a one uh, one nothing lead from the first leg, so should be interesting. It should be it should be fun. So stay tuned. We will definitely you know keep it on our radar and update you guys um, going forward. Um, for uh, for the podcast, I, I kind of hope that Leeds wins because Mike O's got a um, was it an Australian Leeds fan. Um, that we should probably try to get on to talk about leads. Very cool. So, um, I think yeah, and Bielsa, that whole story, of course. That's why the Derby County matchup is great to begin with. But yeah, Bielsa, that would be a nice storyline. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so I think some uh, um, less fun but more meaty co- meaty conversations um, that I'd like to partake with you on. Are you ready for some? Uh, uh, for some ready. hot takes and opinions. Hot, hot. Let's do it. All right, let's uh, let's start with uh, the Premier League one first. Um, uh, so Man City, um, there was a, a leak, um, not a leak, but the New York Times put out a report that um, someone from the UEFA body that uh, does the financial fair play had said that um, if they can prove that Man City – it, you know, skirted financial fair play. That essentially they they want a full year ban from the Champions League, um, which is you know intense. That's that's incredible. It's a huge financial blow. It's a huge you know uh, marketability blow for a club like that. Um, you know they've been investigating the financial fair play stuff. Um, a lot of it is tied to so both them and um, PSG back in two thousand fourteen. Um, faced um, a financial penalty um, as well as they lost like I think two registered players for the Champions League um, and really that was related to um, their sponsorship deals being inflated to cover the um, the losses that they were incurring um, generally with wages and transfer fees um, and a lot of that stuff seems to still be going on um, they're still investigating so this is all you know um, uh, alleged right now, but I mean it, it go. It ties back to the the idea that you know in both those cases, um, you know, uh, Qatar like you know Qatar essentially owns PSG, um, Abu Dhabi essentially owns Man City as well as you know the Man City Football Club. So all the family of clubs that are in there, including New York City FC and MLS, and in. And really, when they talk about financial fair play, it's you know basically your income has to cover your your losses, transfer, net spending, and then and that can all include you know um, tickets and sponsorship deals and all that. And because those clubs are you know owned by countries, essentially, the sponsor that you see on their jerseys is essentially you know a government-run agency. And what they're accused of doing is basically inflating that sponsorship deal to make sure that they cover whatever yeah. losses they have going on. So, um, lots of boring stuff to take in there. But you know, I, I mean, 
do you think that if this is the case, you know, if UEFA really wants to, you know, crack down on this type of stuff, do you think that a year ban is fair or, you know, um, should be required? I don't know the levels of manipulation and impact. Obviously, there's not an unfair advantage, but a huge advantage to the amount of financial backing that some of these clubs have. And accounting-wise, there's always ways to skirt the system. You could create a 1,000 accounts who spend 50000 on merchandise a year. I mean, I could think of a bunch of weird ways to cheat the system right off the bat. So I'm sure it's extremely hard to enforce. And when I've read, again, I've been exposed very limited to, to these kind of situations. But what I've seen is there's a lot of discussion in the media about what might come down But ultimately, through the appeals process, with punishments-wise, it seems to always be not really that big of a deal in the end, or somehow the club gets out of it. Even with the Chelsea situation with transfers, it's like, do you really think they're going to be banned? Um, So I'll believe it when I see it, I guess. But I think I despise City's approach and Pep, but I love their squad, love their players, much respect. Um, The way that they play is wonderful to watch. I think that a year out of the Champions League seems really extreme. Um, I don't want to go to bat for City, but um, I think that's a little bit nuts. Having said that, you know, they'll probably get knocked out in the round of 16 or the quarterfinals uh, (laughs) like they always do. (laughs) Um, So they're really not missing out on much. No, that's it's huge. And I'll be curious to see it develop. I think it's a little extreme. I think one year. Um, out of the competition would be a little bit hardcore. Maybe a fine would be more appropriate um, or transfer window bans. I, I think that seems fair. Like, hey, you've been spending too much. Uh, chill out. We're going to force you to chill out on that instead of, you know, it's also punishing the players um, who it's not their fault that they got bought by these really rich guys who fucked up the, you know, approach to accounting. So I don't know. I, I don't know where to really fall there. I don't really have a direct point. But what do you think, Jim? I mean, you're right. I'd, I'd like the the players on the field and the coaching staff that are coaching those players aren't at fault. And you know, uh, a lot of these clubs have a lot of money. You know, more than just PSG and Man City. It's not fair to like, you know, single them out. I think that the reason. Yeah. So the, the the two things that they're that both those clubs kind of like are pushing back on is that, you know. It's the old guard, like um, the big clubs that are the old guard that are pushing back on the the nouveau rich. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to slaughter yep. that French term. Um, but, yeah. It sounded it's, nice to me. Yeah. So, so essentially, like, you know, they're like, you know, we you guys are disrupting us with all this money you're spending, blah, blah, blah. Um, we want to put you in your place, so to speak. And that's kind of what their argument is. I think that there has to be some limit though so like in 2014 for example when psg got you know they got fined and they lost like a player uh, like a roster spot for the champions league um i think that they said that their um qatari tourism board sponsorship that's on the jerseys um they valued that for one season at 167 million pounds which is like wow. and that's and that's kind of where the you know this financial fair play was like that's that's crazy like I mean and and really they can do that because they're country owned right I mean 
Um, but at the same time, like we, there has to draw a line somewhere. Like it has to be, like it has, like it's supposed to be within football expenditures. Like, um, you know, they aren't the only super rich owners, and they're like all these other clubs are. Yes, very rich, and maybe they're skirting some of that stuff, but not, not to the brazen point that you know even PSG seems to have pushed. I mean, they just bought Neymar for two hundred twenty-two. Uh, million euros and uh, Kylian Mbappe for 180 million euros in like the same season. It it it's, it's insane. It's just wild. Like it like at some point if you don't if you don't you know lay a hammer down somewhere, um you know at the expense of the players or whoever else, uh, it it's just going to continue to get worse. Um and so I don't know if a full year is is worth it. Um. Maybe even bumping them down to like having to qualify, like so they put them in qualification before the group stage, just to make them play an extra couple games, which really isn't punishing them. They get more money for playing more games, but you know, make them earn it a little bit more. I think you're right. It is it is crazy to say that, but you know, something's got to be done. Um, it has to. There has to be some balance somewhere, um, and that's kind of how I feel about it. But we'll see. You know, it's still ongoing. Um, there's still a long ways to go. Um, City is all, like I said, mentioned earlier. They're all they're still getting investigated the same way that Chelsea is for um, improperly registering young players. And in the Chelsea one, yeah, it seems like it might not happen. But uh, Atletico Madrid faced a two uh, two transfer ban. They actually served a two two window transfer ban um, not that long ago. Real Madrid served a uh, window transfer ban. So. Those things do happen. Um, those some of those transfer bans have happened, um, but the financial fair play has so far been spineless in, in its efforts to balance stuff out. And if they're able to, you know, instill some fear in some of these clubs, maybe we can get some balance back. Kind of how I feel about it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's a reasonable take. Absolutely. It'll be uh, interesting to see how it plays out. That's for sure. Absolutely. If anything actually happens, yeah, yep. Something, uh, something we'll definitely keep an eye on. Um, you know, as the summer goes on, and uh, we talk about some other things. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about is sticking with the Champions League, right? The Champions League, yeah. Uh, and this one is, um, this one's very green, and it's, uh, um, it's, uh, it's embryonic, and it's, and it's thought at this point. But so, um. Before uh, the Champions League final, there's a meeting coming up. Um, in fact, I think they already had the meeting, but um, essentially the idea is that uh, some uh, a pact of European clubs, uh, rich European clubs, has put forth a proposal to change the, the structure of the Champions League. Um, did you get a chance to read about this? Not too much, not too much to be honest. No, so you got to fill right. me in. All right, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to keep it short so people don't fall asleep and, and turn us off. So essentially, um, the the big changes would be that top four um, is no longer um, uh, a direct route to the Champions League. Um, essentially, um, in 2024, uh, there would be 32 teams in the top tier of the Champions League. So the um, 
Um, 24 of the biggest clubs would already automatically qualify, and then they'd fill in with some um, other clubs via competitions, what have you. Once that first season is established, like uh, teams like the Dutch champions like Ajax would actually start in Tier 2. Um, so they're talking about a three-tier system um, with promotion and relegation. Um, the top four teams, uh, the top four teams would be promoted every year. Top, the bottom four teams would be relegated every year. Um, so that's the promotion relegation aspect, um, which already puts you know some smaller countries um, at dis- at a disadvantage. The second point would be that. Um, uh, there would be instead of you know instead of doing the group play would be longer. So instead of doing six games for group play, there would be fourteen games. Um, with uh, in that thirty-two teams, there'd be four groups of eight, with the top four from each one of those groups qualifying for knockout play. Um, then, you know, round of sixteen, if you will. Um, which again, you know, um, is is designed to favor bigger, uh, better teams. Um. So they're not getting knocked out. So those uh, those sixteen would go on to play. Um, there has been mention, and it's been refuted, but there has been mention that with the extra group league games, they want to move some Champions League games to the weekend. So um, anyone who watches Champions League now religiously knows that Tuesday and Wednesday, Tuesday and Wednesday is the Champions League. If they move some of those games to the weekend, where they want to do it because it makes more money. You're talking about, you know, essentially, uh, you know, riding over some of these domestic league that, you know, that play on the weekends. Like, um, uh, so they would, you know, discount some of that. Um, overall, it sounds like a lot of, you know, a lot of European clubs are against it. Like most European clubs are against this format. I mean, if you take away, you know, top four qualify like automatic qualification for the Champions League, it, it basically just shits on anything that's important in these domestic leagues. Um, it seems like the whole idea of this like shits on the domestic leagues and is designed for some of these big clubs just to benefit from all that. Um, the problem is, and, you know, some of the backlash that I've heard, um, and I'll let you kind of weigh in what you think about this, but, um, you know, if, if all of the best teams play in one league, that's essentially the most important and domestic leagues really aren't important and don't matter. Um, the reason that some of these big clubs are big clubs is because they win all the time. Like your Ventus won what, eight in a row now, um, in Syria, mm-hmm. uh, Bayern Munich won seven in a row. Yeah, they they might be dominating their leagues, but there's a reason they're making money is because they're dominating their leagues. You know, if if they don't win for if in, in the in the Champions League and in this new format for twenty years, uh, was and that's the only one that matters. How are they going to keep making money? You know, winners make money, not um, you know, not tenth place right. or whatever. So, um, so that's kind concerning, of concerning yeah. concerning for saturation or. or uh, degradation of the domestic leagues for sure right and you lose some of the magic you think think about what i just like just said that like ix who played in the semifinals here which was an incredible story right like that whole like beating real madrid being beating juventus you know uh being at at death's doorstep with 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 tottenham um to get to the final, they would start in tier two. So they'd have to go through promotion just to get back into the champions league, just because of what league they come from. Like that's the idea of that is just, is just mind blowing. Like I, I can't, I can't envision a world 
that that would improve the Champions League at all. Like I, I get being open to discussion and stuff like that, but that one just seems like a money grab for money grab's sake and not giving a shit 100%. about football. And look at IX this year. They had to go through qualifying. Their season started in fucking July, and still that's tougher than some of the other leagues. So I, I don't reduce the barrier, or sorry, increase the barrier, right? Don't make it more difficult for some of these non-big league clubs, right? Big league, mm-hmm. as in Spanish, English, even Italian. Um, you know, you want a Scottish team to sneak in there every once in a while. You want a Dutch squad to to squeeze into what should have been the Champions League final. I mean that that's what makes it beautiful, and still parity is still important even in that that elite of a competition. To your point, absolutely. And I I don't I like I get the that it might be hard for clubs to play like in the middle of the week, and you talk about like congested schedules and. Um, you know, I think that, uh, I think Pochettino brought it up a couple of times, you know, like that, you know, domestic leagues don't do any favors for Champions League as far as scheduling goes, you know, especially if you're England, um, they tend to always have like an extra game, um, over some of the opponents that they're playing from other leagues. Um, but the whole reason that the Champions League matters is that you like these teams anyways, because you cared about them and love them in their domestic league. And that's where it starts, you know, um, the Champions League is is beautiful, but it's only beautiful because of the domestic leagues that take part in them. Um, that's just kind of how I feel about it. Absolutely. I can agree with that. So. No doubt about it. So All right, James. Well, yeah. we've covered some interesting topics. I, I think that one in particular... You have to be wary of the power of, of the most financially affluent clubs... Uh, and how they influence uh, those competitions. Because i got to tell you, the Champions League, despite being the most elite competition with the most money, all that stuff, still feels, you know, a lot of the same teams win year to year. Um, but it still feels beautiful. It still feels like anything can happen. You know, it doesn't feel like the NBA, as an example. Uh, basketball, for those listening, where you know that Golden State's going to get it done against the Rockets. And, and they did. Mm-hmm. Even though the Rockets are amazing, it's like it's just they just have more resources or the better players, and you know it's going to happen. I feel like it's less of an extent uh, for that in the Champions League, even. So, um, and and then to your point about domestic leagues wanting to budge, like good luck getting the fucking FA, um, or I, guess, I don't know if they control the Premier League, but <laughs> with the powers that be who control the Premier League schedule, good luck telling them that they need to bump their their games from weekends, like. That will be a hilarious scenario well, to watch think if about, that happens. Think about the the amount of money they have in those TV deals. Like, like not a chance, not a chance. So. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, you, yeah. We we need you to take less money. Okay, <laughs> I will do that now. Yes, I will bow to you, Champions League. Yeah, and the other thing is, what's interesting about England uh, in particular, and I'm sure Spain is the same, but and even Serie A. But they really value the league, man. Like you ask, we, we talked to a Liverpool fan on this podcast. Check it out. Shout out. Um, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, and, and which title would you rather win? And I think that generally I'd give it 60-40 that most would rather win the Premier League. So the domestic you know, competitions still are very important to, to supporters as well. Right. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, okay. if you talk to uh, – 
I would say 19 of the 20 Premier, uh, Premier League teams right now would tell you that the most important thing for them to win would be the Premier League. Um, there's one that I can think of that has nothing but Champions League ambition, and uh, they are a bunch of choke artists. Um, Man City. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, 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 you're right. It is like that the idea of winning the Premier League just feels, um, I think a lot of people would say that, like, that would be their first choice. It would be hard to say that, to ask you or Liverpool fans about that now because you guys, you know, all you've left this season is the Champions League. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to discredit the Champions League. All Champions League is no, no. so fantastic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, going into the very beginning of the year, if someone told you you can only win one, you know, I, I think I think most people would say the Premier League first. Um, and the Champions League would just be gravy. You know, like, just really delicious, tasty gravy. It sure would be. It sure would be. Absolutely. Ah, uh, well, let's let's dive into our rants and finish this sucker up. All right. Man. Um, what do you got for me? Yeah, I, I don't have a ton. I don't want to get into. I think this is the first podcast, at least I've been on since uh, Spurs went through. Um, or maybe I'm totally blanking on us talking about it. But um, you know, I guess I guess when I think about the fact that there's a couple of games left on the schedule. One of them is the FA Cup semifinal. And I want to talk with Maiko about feelings of that match and that game and and how it went down. So I won't dive into that. But just looking forward um, alone here, I I can't believe, you know, I I try not to be a a media whore uh, and buy into things. ESPN really irritates me. Big media irritates me with their narratives. But... I gotta admit that I'm just licking my chops with the fact that Spurs, along with only one other club, Liverpool, are going to be dominating the football news cycle with player profiles and coach profiles and Pochettino and Klopp. Of course, that'll be fun. But that they are in the final, I just can't believe it. I'm still pinching myself. I'm overjoyed. I, I can't fathom that it's even happening um, and I'm just excited just to watch the match and, and ex- not expecting to win. We'll, we'll get to that later, but just to see them in a Champions League final, brand recognition-wise and for the club, is really, really satisfying. That's all I got. Awesome. Very cool. Um, uh, and continuing, my this is my third, I think my third week now. Um, I'm going to, again, um, just take a moment to celebrate Salford City because, uh, you know, it's the only good thing that's going on in Manchester um, as far as the red side is concerned. Um, you know, just being owned by the Class 92, they got promotion to League 2, um, which is... How many in a row? Um, so that's six promotions in seven years. It's amazing. Yeah, I think that's right. I think I counted today. Maybe it's five and six. Anyway. Either um, way. Yeah, it's it's just incredible. Um I I, I love the story. Um, you know, like the it um it reminds me with I mean, without going too far into it, it reminds me of like, you know, um, you know, the it's like the American promise, right? Where you're like, you know, anybody can make it type thing. It's kinda of what it feels like, you know, it, it 
it's awesome to see yeah. a club do that. And, you know, they have been, you know, obviously given a lot of resources that some of those smaller clubs didn't have. And uh, eventually there's going to be, you know, a breaking point where there, things might slow down. But just enjoying the ride right now has just been awesome. Um, I... <laughs> Uh, I was so excited um, after they won. You know, I tried to jump on, and they actually had, like, a bunch of gear for sale. Like, I, they had, like, a really nice, like, crew neck sweatshirt that I wanted to buy. It was, like, 16 bucks, And I was just, like, so pumped, you know. Like, it's, you know, they just got promoted to League 2. Um, I'm going to be able to catch, like, games every now and then. And, and I'm going to wear my sweatshirt. And it's uh, their Umbro is their sponsor. So cool stuff. You know, Umbro is owned by Nike. Um, it's solid, but um, yeah. but Umbro also uh, isn't licensed to sell in the United States, so I can't order anything that they make. That's all. This beautiful. You gotta find a way around that, my friend. I, eBay, maybe. I'm gonna have to do eBay because, like, it was a beautiful, like, heather gray. You know, it's got the Umbro logo on one side, the crest on the other. This warm, beautifully made sweatshirt. You know, sixteen dollars. Like I couldn't believe it. Like I was like, I don't care if the shipping and handling is sixteen dollars. It's still only thirty two bucks. You know, um, cheaper than United, Gary. Eh? <laughs> hey, we gotta pay. <laughs> we gotta pay Alexis Sanchez's wages somehow. <laughs> yes, I was hoping you'd go there. That's outstanding. Oh, um, that's outstanding. Yeah, that's cool, man. You gotta go. You gotta go for it. I'm. I, I'm. I'm very excited. Um, for them, and I'm gonna continue to laud them. Um, for as long as. Uh, you guys will let me talk about it in my rants. I love it. We should go to a game when we when we make our proverbial trip to London. I uh, I, I am working on saving up for for this trip, and like I said, um, you and I can talk offline, but uh, maybe we'll try to work out something this year. Still, no promises. Well, that'd be insane. That'd be insane. Well, on that note, a happy note, happy spring, happy happy trails to Cardiff and Neil Warnock. Congratulations to Jimmy's squad on their promotions. This is Rooster and the Devil. Stick with us uh, for our summer episodes coming up where we're going to preview uh, the upcoming season and get a take from each, hopefully, each fan so from each Premier many, League team. So many smarter people than us. Like You guys, uh, guys got to tune in. There's going to be some, some great content coming your way. Maiko doing work. Shout out, Maiko. Jim, good to talk with you, man. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Alrighty, adios. I miss you so, but we'll keep going here on Rooster and the Devil. 87 days till August 10. That means there's 12 episodes till then. It means the teams will change. It means the transfer window will come and go. Who the fuck your team gonna sign? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Who the Let's fuck is your team gonna, gonna sign? Yeah, who are they gonna sign? Yeah, I don't know. This is Rooster and the Devil.
Salut, salut.